Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I'm going to continue on this evening with what I was speaking about last week, and that was about the real you, who you really are. And we talked about, we were speaking out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Just turn with me there before we start, and I'll just give us a quick reminder of what we were looking at last week. We discussed how in Christ we've become new creations, and we looked at verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's referring to the inward man. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are no longer the same person after we receive Jesus. We're brand new. We're a new creation. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's who we are. Everything is made new. The old characteristics are gone. That old sin nature, it's gone. Okay? It's gone. You know, people struggle with this so much because they don't know who they really are. You know, they see, they think that, you know, because they still look the same physically. And we looked at some of these things last week, how we can't be so focused on the natural. We can't be so focused on what we can see around us. You know, who you see in the mirror, that's not the real you. That's just your earth suit. The real you is your spirit on the inside. That's the part that gets reborn. That's the real you. That's where God ministers to us. That's where we receive from God is in our spirit, man. The real you is reborn into Christ. You know, some people say, why is it so important to know these things? You know, we, you know we, we hear these things quite regularly in church. Why is it so important to understand that we have a spirit, that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body? And it's because, you know, everything we receive from God, it comes from the inside out, okay? We receive from God in our spirit, and that's what we need to get to realize. We need to realize that that is the new man. So that's what we were looking at last week. We went through some of these verses from verse 18 where it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. He has made us come into union with God. Sin separated us. Our sin nature separated us. Jesus made us righteous. He reconciled us to himself. And then it goes on to say, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're to point people to Jesus. We're to show them who he is. They're to see him in our lives. Church, yes? We are the ministers of reconciliation. That is our job. You know, we don't go around, you know, condemning people, telling people everything that they're not. We just tell them who Jesus is and who he is and who he can be to them if they don't know him. Who he can be to them. We, we bring, we give people an opportunity. We bring people to him. Amen? That's what we should be doing. The real us. You know, if we don't understand these things, we'll have a really hard time receiving from God. You know, it's no use going around and saying, you know, it's no use going around and saying, I don't have something because I don't see it or I don't feel it. You know, we know what faith is here in this house. That's not faith, okay? There's no use going around saying those things. If you don't see it in your life, you must not have it. And that's not true. Until you perceive it by faith, you're never going to see it. You have to perceive it by faith. 
In order to even receive Jesus into your heart, you had to receive him by faith. And guess what? We couldn't even do it on our own faith. He had to give us his faith. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. He imparts his faith to us in order for us to even receive him. We can't, how, can, how, can our, how can we in our, in our human faith believe something that we can't see? We can't. It's impossible. We can't in our human faith. It has to be his faith. Amen? Until you know what's in your spirit to be true, you won't see it on the outside. What God's already poured in. If you've accepted Jesus, if you're reborn, what is already in your spirit is powerful. And you, we need to realize these things. We need to see ourselves as righteous. And that's what I want to talk about a wee bit this evening is on righteousness. And I'm going to be turning to Romans chapter 5. But I want to talk about righteousness because it's so important that we see ourselves as righteous because that's who we are. We're righteous. Hands up the righteous ones in here this evening. Amen. We are in Jesus. We are righteous. Amen. You know, people say, you know, you often hear people say, and you know, you hear older songs about it and stuff. It's like, oh, but I'm just unclean and all my righteousness is like filthy rags. No, that was your self-righteousness, trying to get things from God yourself, trying to get to God yourself. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's just actually look at that real quickly. In, first, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, in verse 30, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus is our righteousness. Is Jesus a filthy rag? No. Jesus is our righteousness. That's how we earn, that's how we receive our righteousness. It is in him. Everything's in him. It's nothing that we could earn. It's not our self-righteousness. There's a difference. We're God-righteous. We're not self-made. We couldn't earn what we received. It's nothing got to do with us. We inherited it. We inherited it through Jesus when we were made a new creation. You know, in Jesus, that's who you are, whether you feel it or not. And that's why we looked at last week the importance of not being focused on the natural. Because we won't feel these things. You know, we don't feel. Sometimes, you know, we know that we're the healed of God. Sometimes you don't feel healed when sickness is, is on your body trying to come against you. That doesn't mean that you are not the healed of God. It doesn't mean that you don't have healing on the inside of you. How do we get it? We receive it by faith. We draw it out from our spirit by faith. Amen. You know, some say, well, how do we really know what the condition of our spirit is? Like, you're saying all these things, but how do you really know that? Because it tells us in his word. It tells us in his word. You know, God's word is our spiritual mirror. Amen? God's word is our spiritual mirror. In fact, it says, you know, I, I think I'd done this verse last week where it said in John chapter 6, I believe, where Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. His words are spirit. His words. His word is a spiritual mirror. In James chapter 1, there's another one. It says, it tells us that we perceive how God, we, that we perceive how God sees us in the mirror of the word. The word is our mirror. If you want to know what the condition of your spirit is, you go to his word. You read it. You learn it. You eat it. You digest it. You speak it out. You consume the word. It is your spiritual mirror. That is who you are. You know, do you go, church, you need to, we need to get to a place, regardless of what it is, whether, whatever it is you're believing for, 
but you need to get to a place where you are not waiting to see something or feel something to know that it's true. The word has to be the final authority in your life. If the word says something that is contrary to the way you're feeling, what are you going to believe? You need to really settle these things in your heart because until you do, your flesh will always want to side with what you, believe, what you feel and what you see. What you see. And that's not where we need to be. The word is your parameter for everything. It is our boundary. Never step outside of it. It's our boundary. Okay? So, righteousness. We inherit it. We're not in the process of becoming righteous. We already are. Okay? We already are. Remember we looked at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24. It says, we were recreated in true holiness and righteousness. So we were recreated that way. You can't perfect something that's already perfect. Okay, our spirit man was recreated righteous. That is who we are. That's who you need to start identifying with. It is not something that we produce or obtain. It's a gift from God. So if, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And I want to look through some of these verses this evening. And church, there's so much in these verses. I don't know how much of it I'll, I'll get through tonight. But I just want to try and pick out some of these things that have really ministered to me. Romans chapter 5 and from verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man, which is Adam, sin entered the world, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him, which is Jesus, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by them one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus abounded to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification." For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous." Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But when sin, where, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the sin that Paul was referring to in these verses, it's sin nature. Okay, it's that sin nature. It's not, it's, it's not referring to like, your acts of sin, so to speak. It's your sin nature, okay? Death reigned through the sin nature that was passed down through Adam. You know, and in hearing these verses, you know, as I read these out, you know, it, it, there's so many contrasts between what, you know, man received through Adam, through death, and what man received through Jesus, Okay? Adam was a picture of the coming Messiah. You know, I mentioned last week that God sees us through Jesus. You know, remember when I looked at the difference between, um, you know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in 
what we see in the natural, we become carnal. And we covered what carnality was. And we're focused on that, that we just think that that's how everybody sees us, including God. So we think that when we, you know, do something wrong, oh, God is finished with us. And because he sees that and he, that's all he looks at. Church, when you are in Christ Jesus, he sees Jesus. Because he looks at your spirit man. He sees your righteousness. He sees that right standing before God. Okay? So God views people in either two ways. You're either in Adam or you're in Jesus. That's how he sees you. You're either dead in your spirit or you're alive in your spirit. Right? Righteousness and sin, that sin nature, they cannot coexist together in one person. Right? When God, when you receive Jesus, that sin nature is ripped out. That old man is gone. Like we looked at last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all things have passed away. All things have become new. You cannot have righteousness and that sin nature on the inside. They cannot be together. Okay? That's not who you are anymore. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, he doesn't look at the way we view each other. Uh, you know, the way we would look at each other, you know, in the human race. So I'm from here, you're from there. You look like that, I look like this. I have this background, so I'm beyond, I'm beyond help because of this. And you're from that background. That's not how God sees us. He sees us whether we're in Adam or in Jesus. Okay? You know, I love in these verses how the Holy Spirit is continually reminding us of the righteousness we've received and how much greater it is. Because he mentions, this is what we received through Adam when death reigned, but so much more grace abounded, but so much more righteousness, but so much more, this is what Jesus done. He was constantly reminding us that this is where it is. It's like four or five times when Paul writes about what sin and death done through Adam, he comes back with what righteousness and life done through Jesus. Church, why do we look, spend so much time looking at the sin side of everything? when that is not who we are anymore. In our spirit, like I said, these things cannot coexist. So you have to know the condition of your spirit. And we looked at those things last week. We inherited death. You were, we were born spiritually like dead. Until you receive Jesus, you're spiritually dead. In your spirit, we inherit that, okay? And we also inherit righteousness and life through Jesus. Neither had anything to do with us. Okay? We just had to receive it by faith. You know, we inherited death. We were born into it just because what Adam done. That's why it ref it, that's referring to that sin nature. Through one man's offense, death reigned. Okay? It, it spread to all humanity. Okay? And all, just like that, we also inherit righteousness. Through one man's righteous act, Jesus, we obtain righteousness in our spirit. You know, Jesus dealt with sin and death. He defeated it. When you accept him, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you. He's living on, on in the inside of you. You're no longer that sinner that was dead in your spirit. You're no longer that person. That sin problem that was in your life was not imputed to you. On receiving Jesus, you're now forgiven and a child of God. You're a child of God. You know, if you walk in sin, right, as in actively participating in it, now I'm talking about acts of sin, right, after the fact, 
after you receive Jesus, after you receive Jesus, you know you're not that person anymore. That old sin nature has gone, right? So it's not. I'm not talking about sin nature, but if you actively participate in sin after that, it's because you choose to. It's because you choose to do it. Because the Holy Spirit is coming, comes to live on the inside of you. He empowers us to resist sin because it's not who we are anymore. It's not who we are anymore. That, that person is gone. So he gives us the ability to overcome and empowers us to resist sin. Everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. You know, when you become that new creation church, new means new. There's no remnants of the old. Okay? You know, and in our body, in our flesh, and in our mind, there may be remnants of things because they're not yet redeemed. They're not yet, you know, we still have the same body. We still have the same mind. That's why our mind needs renewed. Okay? We still have these things. So this is why we need to, and I want to continue, I want to go on from that is we need to make sure that we are filling ourselves up with God, filling our lives with him, everything that pertains to him, because we still have parts to us that we need to work on, okay? We still have parts to us that we need to work on. We need to understand and get a knowledge of these things. You know, I shared this last week, people where, uh, that scripture where it says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And then in 1 Peter chapter um, 1, I believe, it says, you know, we have all things pertaining to life and godliness. Already have them. By what? Through what? Through the knowledge of him. If you don't know what you have, how can you walk in it? If you do not know what he's done for you, how can you draw it out? If you don't know what's in there, it, you can't. It's impossible. So you have to have the knowledge of him. You have to know that you're a righteousness of God. In order to receive, we receive by faith. And we have to act on righteousness from the point of authority. If you don't believe that you're, righteousness, uh, that you're righteous or know what's been placed in your spirit, you'll never be able to receive these things. You'll never be able to have the faith to draw it out. You know, so many Christians, so many believers are beating themselves up. They beat themselves up and focus on all the bad things in their life. Waiting, like, it's like you're waiting for God to deliver you. You're waiting for God to just drop something out of heaven into your lap so you can receive it. It's not, that is not the way it works, okay? That is not the way it works. When we accept Jesus, Jesus has already done everything he's going to do. He's already done it. And he's given everything that we need, it's in our spirit. You know, in 2 Corinthians, I believe it says, um, church, we are one spirit with him. We are one spirit with him. We're, like, it's not in our spirit. It's not like, remember and last week I said, just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. It's not like he is way up here and we're way down here. In our spirit, man, we have everything we need. There, there's no lack. Okay, there's no lack. So we need to figure out how we get that out and flowing into our lives. That is what we need to do. God has already delivered us. The Holy Spirit came down. Like, like I said, we wait for something to come down. The Holy Spirit did come down. What else do we need? He's dwelling on the inside of us. He's dwelling on the inside of us. You know, what else do we need? We, we, shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be dependent either on other people. We shouldn't be dependent on other people to get to us from God what we need. 
You know, God, God places people in our lives, yes, and God will send people along your, on, along your path that will be able to pour into you, that he can use as a vessel to pour into your church. But we need to learn to stand on these things ourselves. And until we understand what, that we are righteous, until we understand that we have to take that place of authority, who we are in our spirit, the condition of our spirit, who the real us are, we'll never be able to walk in these things. We'll never be able to walk in these things. Because, you know, somebody can pray for you for something. And, you know, you can receive it. But you know what? We, you have to stand in faith. You have to know who you are in Christ in order to keep it. You can't carry people around with you 24-7. You need to understand these things for yourself. You need to be able to learn to walk in faith and grab a hold of these things. So we already have all things pertaining to life and godliness. I love that scripture. Through the knowledge of him. Knowledge is so important. You know, we should be praying for more wisdom and more revelation. That's what we should be praying for. More wisdom and more revelation of him and what he's done for our lives. We, when, when you're reading the word, pray and ask the Lord to reveal layer, more and more layers to you. There's more to it, church. There's more to learn. There's always deeper levels. There's always more. Pray for wisdom and revelation. More and more of his goodness and his power operating through your life. Who wants those things? More of his goodness, more of his power operating through your life. You need to know who you are. It, need to, it all births from that intimate place. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that, you know, that famous chapter on love, that we only know in part. Okay? We only know in part until that which is perfect has come. And then that which is in part will be done away. That is speaking of our glorified bodies. When that which is perfect has come, we're going to know all things, church. We're going to know all things. We don't know all things here right now because, we, like the word says, we only know in part. We have, a, we, we have a mind. We have things that we have to deal with down here. Human things. But when we get our glorified body, we're going to know all things. You know, it also says in the word that we have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That's referring to your spirit man. Okay, but we only know in part and that, until that which is perfect has come. I don't want to get to heaven. I don't want to get to glory and, re and realize what I could have had because I didn't have a deeper understanding or I didn't know what was available to me. Nobody wants to miss out on something that they have in your possession, that you have it, but you may not know that you have it so you can't receive it or walk in it. I don't want to get to, to heaven and know I could have had these things. I could have had that healing. I could have had that deliverance. I could have had that prosperity. I could have had whatever it was if I had just learned to receive it and walk in it. Receive it, what's already in there. We need to stop trying to obtain something as if we don't have it. Obtain something like it's out of our, our reach. Obtain something like, you know, that we're constantly chasing after it. That's not what it is, church. We already have it. We can't receive it unless we receive it by faith. And that's by what we were talking about last week, not focusing on the carnal, not focusing on what you can see. If you're waiting to see it and to believe that you have it, you're not going to see it. Amen? You know, your problem is not what you're facing right now. It's... You know, your problem is that you don't understand righteousness and authority and what condition your spirit's in. 
and I'm not saying that what's coming against you isn't real. I'm not saying that it's not, you know, that these things aren't trying to come against you or that they're not in your life. But we need to learn to focus more and more on him. Focus more and more and more on the righteousness that we have become. We have to understand what has already been placed on the inside of us. You know, when we fight against these things, when we fight against these things that's coming against you or your problems, right? When we fight against them as a son and daughter of the Most High God, as a righteous son and daughter of the Most High God, who knows the authority that they have, who knows the power that's available to them through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit living on the inside of it. It's not us. It's not us. It's in our spirit. When we fight these things from that position, you know, church, that's why we say you fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that everything, you just, it just rolls over. You have to fight, but the difference is you're not fighting from that, this old sinner that's, you know, so far away from God, that's, you know, full of condemnation and that doesn't know who they are and maybe God will help me, maybe he won't. Maybe if I do all these things this week and go to church at every single service, he's going to help me and get me what I need. No, it, it's all wrong. That thinking is all wrong. You fight these things from your position of authority. You fight them from who you are in Christ. And until you understand righteousness and authority, you won't be able to, to receive these things. You won't be able to receive them. Verse 20 of those verses that I just read out. Let's go back and look at that. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, that, that's the part where it says the law entered that the offense might abound. That's just saying that the law had to be given to show that people needed a savior. That they, that they, to point out sin in people's lives that, and that it needed dealt with. That's why, that was the purpose of the law. Okay? And then it goes on to say, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Sin reigns in death. Sin reigns in death. And when we were dead before salvation, sin reigned in our lives. Okay? And... That sin nature dominated us. It no longer dominates you because all things have passed away, all things have become new. When we were born again and accepted Jesus, it changes and grace reigns in our lives through righteousness. That's the real you. That is the real you. Not the person who is struggling with these problems. Not the person who feels defeated. Not the person who you look at in the mirror. the person who received eternal life through Jesus and all that comes with it. It's not just your ticket out of hell. Isn't that good news? It's all things pertaining to life. Who wants all things pertaining to life? I don't want, church, if Jesus paid for something, why would you not take it all? And I, I, you often hear me share that in here. That word salvation is the Greek word sozo. It's all encompassing. It's not just, you know, oh, I'm going to heaven now. Because you can be going to heaven and you can live a pretty miserable life here on this earth. Do you think that's God's will for your life? 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think God wants you miserable? Do you think God wants you depressed? Do you think God wants you in poverty? Do you think God wants you sick? Absolutely not. His salvation covered all those things. It was a free gift. Or why do we only take parts of it and leave the rest? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowing who the real us is. That's why. You know, the gospel is great news. Amen. Paul is writing here, you know, Paul's writing here, like by the Holy Spirit, that this status that we now have, the condition of our spirit, our standing before God, it was all made possible by God through Jesus and nothing to do with us, what we could have done or can do. Okay? It was through Jesus. He keeps, remember it says, where went through these, this script where it said, you know, through Adam, death reigned. And then he came back and said, but through Jesus, righteousness. And he always points it back to Jesus. It was a grace gift that we received by faith. All we need to do is believe. So what, you know, what becomes our part here? What part do we have? You know, we talk about righteousness. We talk about that it's a free gift. We talk about that it's who we are. Whether you feel it or not, you're righteous. You're righteous. It took place. I'm going to look at that in a minute. But that already took place whether you feel it or not. Okay? That's who you are. So we don't have to do anything to earn it. So what is our part? After we get saved and receive Jesus, what is our part? You know, these questions, you know, Paul is addressing questions here. He, in a couple of times in chapter 5 and 6, and then even in Galatians, he, cha- he questions. So the same questions that people have, you know, that's why I said the gospel's great news, because it's nearly too good to be true. People hear these things and then they're like, so what does that mean? I can just do whatever. God loves me. Righteousness is not something that I'm still trying to obtain. My spirit is righteous. God loves me. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus. It's not based on my actions or my performance. So what is my part in all of this? Okay, and Paul addresses some of these things. And church, the fact that these questions are being asked shows that they were asked back then. It's the same questions that people ask today. What does this mean for me? If we're already righteous and accepted by God, do we need to put any work in or can we just lay back and do what we want? It mentions in these verses here in Romans that we have been freed from sin. And like I said, that sin is that old sin nature. But it's still possible for us to act in sin through our flesh. And we did that a couple of months back when we talked about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. You can still walk in these things. We have to work on other parts of us that need renewed. So let's look at the next few verses. Chapter 6, in verse 1, Paul addresses, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Church, Romans is a great book. It's a great book and there's so much in it. It's a meaty. So I encourage you to read over these verses, get a, a revelation understanding of yourself, even over these weeks while we're looking at them together. Get them into your heart. There is so much in these few verses. 
You know, I love how Paul doesn't just answer this question. He answers it emphatically. He doesn't just say no. He says, absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. No, 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 boys. Do not miss the point here. This is not what I'm saying. This does not give you a license to just do whatever you want. Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin which is our sin nature, live any longer in it. Why would you want to sin? I tell you something, church. When you receive Jesus, your desire should change. You shouldn't want to sin. You shouldn't want to live the way you lived. Everything, every seed produces after its own kind. Church, if you sow, you're going to reap. So before, if everybody in here, if you can think in your in, inside that before you knew Jesus, the sinful lifestyle, the things that you sowed, what did any good fruit come from those things? No good fruit comes from it. It just brings destruction into your life. You shouldn't want to continue to walk in those ways when you receive Jesus, your desires change. Your actions and your performance, church, remember, your actions and your performance didn't earn you God's righteousness or his love. And guess what? Your performance or your actions doesn't stop him from loving you either. It doesn't stop you. Of course he loves you. Of course he loves you. But he hates sin. He hates sin. Because sin is what separated us from him in the first place. And he hates it so much that he sent his greatest gift, his only son, to, to get us back into union, to reconcile us to himself, which we looked at last week. That is why he done what he done. Don't be fooled into thinking these things are okay. You know, it's just stupidity to play around with sin. It's stupid. It's just stupidity to play around with it. When you are willfully walking in these things, it's stupidity. We were purchased with a price. We belong to Jesus. You see this attitude of, you know, I'm a self-made man. I can do what I want. Okay? You couldn't get to God with that sin nature that you once had. You couldn't get to him with it. You were purchased with a price. You belong to Jesus. You belong to him. Okay? You are not your own person. Okay? He's not going to force you to do things or he's not going to force you to not do anything either. But you're purchased with a price. You belong to him. What makes people think that now they have received Jesus, they can just do what they want? when they couldn't get to him carrying that sin nature in the first place. But when they receive him, they just think, oh, I can just do whatever I want because God loves me. That's just stupid. It's just stupid. Remember, God doesn't force you to do anything and your actions now don't determine your standing with him, church. That's good news because sometimes we will mess up. We will make mistakes. That doesn't affect your standing with him because you know what does? Your righteousness in Jesus. That affects your standing before him. We need to understand those things. We need to get it in, in, and in. And I think it was, I think it was, Pastor Ryan said something 
up in Derry a few weeks ago and he gave a statistic and he said about um, it, takes, it takes humanity, it takes humans seven times to hear something to retain even 25% of it. So we have to hear something seven times. It could be the exact same thing, but we hear it seven times and we still only retain a quarter of it. Church, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And sometimes we think that we understand things. Sometimes we think that we know these things, but oh yeah, I know them. I know those things. I can quote the scriptures. I know even where they are in the Bible. I know where the reference is. But church, we, a lot of us are not walking in it because we're allowing our problems overrun us and overtake us because we don't know who we really are. That's why we don't know who we really are. God doesn't force you to do anything. However, your sin will have consequences and it will affect your relationship with him. Not because he cut you off, not because you done this right, bye, see you later. But it just, it affects our standing with him. It, it just, it makes us difficult. It just affects that intimacy. It affects us being able to hear from him, to be led by him. It makes it difficult for us to receive from him because that sin has been fed, that flesh has been fed in our lives. It dulls our spirit, it desensitizes it. That's the place where we communicate with God in the first place. You know, in verse three of chapter six, it says the baptism, you know, the baptism mentioned here, it's not water baptism, okay? It's not water baptism. You know, in Hebrews chapter six, the Bible says that there's a doctrine, there's a doctrine of baptisms. The New Testament talks about several baptisms. It's plural, okay? Water baptism does not save you. Okay, water baptism is a public proclamation of the baptism that already took place on the inside. We're baptized into Jesus. We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. That's what takes place when we receive Jesus. Okay, water baptism is just a type of baptism that proclaims it's an outward action of what's already happened on the inside. Okay? It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't save you. When we got saved in the spirit, we were immersed. That's what baptism means. It just means immersion. We were immersed into Jesus and we notice, and I remember last week I, I pulled out a few of these verbs that they were past tense verbs. Church, this is so important. To know, to know these things and to see these things. Because if it's past tense, guess what? It's already happened. It's not something that we are working towards or trying to obtain or achieve. And here we have another past tense verb where it says, you know, we were, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That already took place. That was automatic. When you received Jesus, that was automatic. You died to that old sin nature, to that old man, this happened when you received Jesus because you can't become righteous, like I said, and still have a sin nature. You can't become righteous and still have that sin nature. In the spirit, you are reborn new. Further on down, it says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life, which is resurrection power. Church, notice these things. One of them is automatic, one of them is not. 
We should walk in newness of life. That means that does not happen automatically when you become saved. You have to choose to walk in the newness of, new, in the newness of life. You have to choose those things. The verb used here is different. You were dead to sin. That part has already happened. That's done. That's the part that had nothing to do with you. It already took place. You are dead to sin. You're righteous whether you feel it or not. Okay? But whether you walk in and experience the newness of life depends on what? Whether you truly understand and know what has taken place. Let me just read these next few verses here before we close. We have to understand the condition of our spirit. In verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Isn't that good news? But notice how it said, we've been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, you have to know it. You have to understand what the condition of your, your spirit now is. That just because we were immersed, just because we were baptized into his death, we were also resurrected in him. Walking. We can walk in the newness of life. There's so much in these verses. I'm not going to get through, but I want to just finish on this other one. I'm going to skip down. So in that, um, in, that chap, in that first verse of chapter 6, remember when Paul said, does this mean, he's talking about righteousness. He's trying to lay these foundations of who we now are. This, you know, you are not this person anymore. You're now the righteousness of God, right? Then he's, asked that que- he's answering that question. Well, what does this mean? Can we just do whatever we want? Certainly not. He answers it by saying, why would you want to sin when that sin nature is gone? That old man is is gone. It's dead. Okay? There's something else that he he addresses further on down in verse 16 where it says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. That word slave is doulos. Okay? And it's so powerful. What you become, it's, it, whatever you submit to becomes your master. If you submit, of course, of course you can do what you want. Of course this doesn't mean, this, this gospel that I'm teaching you, that we have, that we've been gifted, of course it doesn't force us to do anything. But what you submit to becomes your master. Church, if you continue to walk in sin, you're a slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. What does sin bring? Leading to death. Or of obedience leading to righteousness. You know, we we can continually walk in sin. Even after we receive Jesus. Okay? It's not talking about, you know, spiritual death based on your actions. You're saved. Okay? But death has many forms. Okay, and you do not want it when you become a slave to sin, you're playing in the devil's playground. That's why I said it's stupidity. 
you're being stupid because you're playing in his playground. And if you are under his rules, you're going to have to play at his game. And he bring, it's just leaving an open door for him to cause havoc in your life, to cause destruction in your life. You know, so many people are allowing these doors to be wide open into their life. They're submitting, they're yielding to these things. I'm my own, I'm my own person and I'll do what I want. But you're also going to invite sin and all of its death and destruction into your life as well. And then we blame God. God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? If what you submit to becomes your master, you become a doulos, a slave to that. So, Church, we do not need to submit to sin. We do not need to allow these things into our lives. We, do not, we need to figure out, identify anything that's fleshly, anything that's carnal. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. If you feel like there's things in your life that needs to be addressed, do not leave that door open for death and destruction to come in, for sin to wreak havoc in your life. This is, what, this is another reason that Paul's given here by saying, you can choose, of course, of course, this is not what I mean. Of course not, that we can just go ahead and do what we want. But if you choose to, because nobody's going to force you, if you choose to, you need to be prepared what it's going to bring because everything produces after its own kind. So if you sow, if you do these things, they're going to produce. Not good things in your life, church. Amen. But guess what? Remember, we are the righteousness of God. That sin nature is gone. We don't have to yield or submit to sin. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We need to know who the real us is. That's what I've called this, the real you. It's so important to understand. And in order for you to receive from God, in order for you to receive from him everything that he has, everything, stop trying to get something from the outside in. Oh, I need this person to get it for me. I need this person to pray for me. I need to go here to get this and go here to get that. It's already on the inside of you. Start taking responsibility for your life. Start taking responsibility for what God's placed on the inside of you and start drawing it out. That's what he wants for your life. He wants you to walk in the newness of life because he's already given you all things that are pertaining to life and godliness through knowing him. Church, get to know him. Get to know him more and more. If you think you know him, get to know him even more and ask, pray for wisdom and revelation every day. Amen? Did you receive something from that? Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get refueled. Oh, thank you, Father, Lord, for the good, good gospel. Oh, Lord, Lord, it's nearly too good to be true, but, Father, we know, oh, we know that how good you are. We know, Father, Lord, that everything that you've gifted us is because you love us, because you want the best for us, because you, you want us, Father, not only in full union with you, to spend eternity with you, but you also want us to walk in everything that you have provided for us while we're on this earth, because you're that good. Oh, you're a good, good Father. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the seeds of your word, the incorruptible seeds of your word. That it, Lord, they never fail. If things aren't being produced in our lives, Father, it's the ground, it's us, it's the us that's the problem, Lord. It's never you. Lord, help us understand Give us a deeper revelation, Father, of how good you are, of what we need to do, Father Lord, in order to receive these things, in order to walk in what you have for us. We thank you, Father Lord, that we are the righteousness of God. That is who we are. That is the real us. Oh, Father, help us, Lord, as we look at ourselves every day, look at ourselves and say, I am the righteousness of God. Help us keep that in our remembrance at all times, Father. 
as the storms may rage and the waves may start to bang against us, we know, Father, because we're taking our stand and our stance in righteousness by in authority, knowing that you have already poured out everything. We already have it in our spirit, man. So, Father, we, we will live our lives walking by faith, exercising our faith to draw out what you've already placed on the inside of us. Thank you for our protection everywhere we go. Father, you place a hedge of protection around us. Angels are, are, char are taking charge over us, protecting us in all of our ways. Father, Lord, no sickness, no disease, no plague will come near our dwelling place. We have authority over the, those things, Lord. We thank you, Father, Lord, for our family, our homes. We're protected, Lord, at home, at work, when we're going, when we're coming back. And I thank you, Father, Lord, that you follow us everywhere we go. Your Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of us, leading us and guiding us. I thank you, Father, Lord, for the givers in this house. Lord, for every opportunity we have to give into your kingdom, to become partakers of what you're doing. Thank you, Father, Lord, for everything you're pouring out on us. Lord, you're pouring out on us, Lord, so we can continue to pour out on other people, pour into your kingdom, pour into what you're trying to do in this place. Raise up the next generation. Start Christian schools, missions. All to get people to know you, to spread the gospel. Thank you for these opportunities, Lord. And in us, in us giving, even though it could be halfway around the world, Lord, some of these things that's taken place, Father, Lord, we're, we're getting to run alongside it. We're getting to, Lord, be partakers in it and plant seeds that are going to come through in eternity. Not gathering up things, Father, here on earth, but, Lord, we'll become eternity-minded in everything we do. Help us, Father, Lord, walk in love towards one another. Lord, always showing your love. Always been ministers of reconciliation as you've called us to be. And help us walk in faith towards you, Lord. And help us pursue everything that you have for us. And I thank you, Father, Lord, that here at this church we are covered by your blood, empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.